Word for today, a ministry of Living Word Lutheran Church in Egan, Minnesota. It is our prayer that the message from God's Holy Word would bring a new and deeper love for Jesus in your life. Hello, and welcome to God's Word for Today, a radio ministry of Living Word Lutheran Church in Egan, Minnesota. My name is Mikey Meester, and I am the pastoral assistant at Living Word, and I have the pleasure of being able to share God's Word with you today. Our text for this morning comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 32. We read in God's name. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us your word. And we pray today that as we hear your word, you would send your spirit into us to open our hearts to receive it and that we may strengthen our faith in you. Pray, Lord, also that you would empty me of myself as I proclaim your word today, and that you would fill me with your spirit so that I may proclaim proclaim your true, holy, and precious word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, we celebrated Epiphany, which is a church holiday which falls on January 6th of each year and marks the end of the Christmas season. And for those of us who grow up with Epiphany and are familiar with it, we often identify it as the day in which we celebrate the Magi coming to visit the infant Jesus. However, while that certainly is the case, there's a much more theological significance to Epiphany. Merriam-Webster defines Epiphany in two ways. The first way is defined as a holiday, which is a commemoration of the coming of the Magi as the first manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles. And the second definition is simply epiphany as a noun, which is an appearance or manifestation, especially of a divine being. And, you know, I think that these definitions really do capture the significance of epiphany. Epiphany is when we celebrate that Christ appeared for the first time to the Gentiles, who in this particular case were the Magi. And by Christ appearing to the Gentile Magi, we can see that Christ came not just to save the Jews, but also to save the Gentiles too. And this is what our text highlights today. In our text, we have Simeon, a Jew who is filled with the Holy Spirit, holding the infant Jesus in his arms and declaring that Jesus came to be the salvation for all peoples, both Jews and Gentiles. Now, this distinction between Jews and Gentiles comes up a lot in Scripture. The Jews were the nation of Israel and were God's chosen people. They were descendants of the 12 tribes of Israel, and they were chosen by God at Mount Sinai. These were the people who were given God's law and were called to obey them, and the people through which the Messiah would come. 
Now, the word Gentile literally means nations other than Israel. And a Gentile is truly anyone who is not a part of the nation of Israel, or who we would call a Jew. These people did not follow the laws of God, at least for religious reasons. So now that we have this distinction kind of mapped out, it's important that we look at this throughout the scriptures. However, when we look at it and try to apply it to our modern times, the distinction between Jew and Gentile can become a little muddled up. For with the exception of Messianic Jews, the Jews have rejected Christ and therefore no longer rightly worship the one true God. Today, the majority of those who follow the one true God, or Yahweh as his name is called in the scriptures, those people are Gentiles. And because of this, it can be difficult to take passages of scripture which talk about the distinction between Jews and Gentiles and transfer their meaning into our current cultures. Because in the biblical text, the majority of those who followed Yahweh were Jews, but today the majority are Gentiles. And so today we are going to look at how we can take this distinction between Jews and Gentiles from the scriptures and apply it to our lives today. And we're going to do this by looking at three different points. First, we're going to look at the historic relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles. Secondly, we will look at how we can translate the historic relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles and apply it to our current situation. And finally, we're going to look at how, the Jew, how Jesus came to save both the Jews and the Gentiles. But first, let's look at the historic relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles. Our passage today ends by saying, For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. You see, Simeon indicates that Jesus is, not, is the salvation not only for the Jews, but for the Gentiles as well. And this is significant because Simeon was a Jew. And at this time in history, the Jews hated the Gentiles. In fact, they hated them so much that they had very specific rules about how the Jews were supposed to interact with the Gentiles so as to avoid them as much as possible. And some of these included that a Gentile doctor was not allowed to attend to a sick Jew. Or that Jews were not even supposed to walk in the company of Gentiles. You see, Jews consider the Gentiles themselves, their very persons, to be ceremonially unclean. And anything that Gentiles touched was also considered to be unclean. But why did the Jews hate the Gentiles? Well, some of it had to do with history. Throughout the Old Testament, we read how the Israelites were oppressed and conquered by many different Gentile nations, and that led to a lot of hatred between the groups. Other things had to do with geography, and, and some of the reasons were political. But ultimately, the Jews hated the Gentiles because of their own pride. When many Jews thought of themselves, compared to the Gentiles, they saw themselves as people who kept God's commandments, and the Gentiles as those who didn't. And on the surface, this was true. As followers of God, the Jews were capable of keeping his commandments. And as those who didn't follow God, well, the Gentiles didn't. 
But the Jews were only looking at the surface of things. Instead of caring about the belief and the faith in God that allowed the Jews to be able to keep his commandments, they were only concerned with their own actions, that they were keeping God's commandments. Likewise, instead of caring that the Gentiles did not believe or have faith in God, they were more concerned about the Gentiles not keeping God's commandments. And that's why they viewed the Gentiles as unclean, because the Gentiles didn't keep the ceremonial laws used to become clean. In fact, I would say that many of the Jews did not even care if the Gentiles believed in God. They only cared that they didn't keep God's laws. The Jews were full of pride. And it was not pride in God for what he had done to them, but in themselves for keeping the law. And you know, the crazy thing is, is the Jews didn't even expect the Gentiles to keep the law. In fact, I would say that the Jews really didn't even want the Gentiles to keep the law. God had given the law to the Jews. It was their law. And they kept it. They had pride in themselves for keeping God's law. They hated those who didn't, and they liked it that way. Because as long as they kept the law and the Gentiles didn't, they would always be better than the Gentiles. And that is why what Simeon said was so significant. He, a Jew, announced in the temple itself, the most sacred place for the Jews, that the Messiah had come to save not only the Jews, but the Gentiles also. God had come in the flesh to save even those who had never kept his commandments as long as they believed. So now that we understand the historic relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles, we must ask ourselves, how do we translate this historic relationship into our current situation? As I have said before, we have an interesting dynamic today because the nation of Israel no longer are the ones who truly have faith in the one true God, for they have rejected Jesus. And now the majority of those who do follow God are Gentiles. So who should we identify with as we look at this relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles in Scripture? Well, it seems to me that we should identify ourselves with the Jews. And we should do this in two different ways. First, we should identify ourselves spiritually with Israel. You see, at Mount Sinai, God called the Israelites to be his people. And from that point on, the nation of Israel was known as the people of God. Now, the nation of Israel was actually two different parts. There was the nation itself, and then inside of it was spiritual Israel. The nation of Israel often strayed away from God, but within the midst of it, there was always a remnant of people who truly had faith in Yahweh. This is spiritual Israel. Now, when Jesus came, spiritual Israel and the nation of Israel itself split. The nation of Israel, the majority of the Jews, rejected Jesus, God's one and only Son. And because of that, 
they rejected God himself. But spiritual Israel, the ones who truly had faith in Yahweh, accepted Jesus Christ as God's son and continued in their faith because of that. And the Gentiles, as we read in Romans 11, were grafted in, were brought in to spiritual Israel. And so we who identify as ethnically Gentiles, as I'm sure most of us do, we who are not Jewish by ethnicity, we were grafted in to Israel, spiritually at least. And so we are able to identify ourselves spiritually as a part of Israel. We can identify spiritually as Jews. But we cannot just identify ourselves spiritually with the Jews' faith. We also must identify ourselves with the Jews' sin. Specifically, their sin of pride. You see, as we identify ourselves as the Jews and that we are spiritually a part of Israel, we should also identify unbelievers as spiritually Gentiles. In that they are not spiritually a part of Israel. And we, when we identify ourselves as Jews and the unbelievers as Gentiles, we find that we are falling into the same traps as the Jews did. Just as the Jews ignored whether or not one had faith and only took pride in their actions and hated the Gentiles for the lack of theirs, so do we as Christians often ignore what really matters, faith in Jesus. And instead, we take pride in ourselves for our godly actions and hate the unbeliever for the lack of theirs. How often do we as Christians look at ourselves and think, I go to church every Sunday. I'm a part of weekly Bible study. I take the sacraments. I'm a part of the church activities. I go out and do good works in Jesus' name. And we take pride in ourselves for doing those things. And then how often do we look at an unbeliever? Someone who's maybe never gone to church in their entire life. Who goes out and parties and gets drunk every weekend. Perhaps they went to jail for 20 years and now are out doing drugs. And instead of thinking, that person really needs to know Jesus, we think, man, I'm a good person. At least I'm not like that guy. He really needs to get his act together. And then when we see them come into the church and sit in the pew, we think, man, they should show a little more respect. They could have dressed up a little nicer for church today. Look at them fumbling around in the pew. They don't even know what they're doing. I'm going to have to tell my kid to stay away from that person. They might be dangerous. Instead of rejoicing... That that person came into the church and praying that they would receive Jesus, we want them to leave. Sometimes we may even think to ourselves, that person 
is beyond saving. Just like the Jews, we see these people as being unclean because of their lack of godly works. And so also like the Jews, we show hatred towards those people for not following God. We also don't want them to follow God. We want them to leave our church. We so enjoy taking pride in ourselves for obeying God and looking down upon others for not that we don't want anything to change. We just want to continue to feel good about ourselves. And in order to feel good about ourselves, there has to be someone to compare ourselves to. And so we wanted to stay just as it is. But as we do this, can you imagine how sad that must make God feel? That his own people, whether it is the biblical Jews or us, God's own people would not want unbelievers to come to him. Because Jesus, he has come to save both the Jews and the Gentiles. Those who already believe and those who don't believe yet. You see, Simeon states that Jesus has come to be the salvation for all people. And the first group of people he lists are the Gentiles. Jesus has come to reveal himself to the Gentiles. And the first Gentiles he reveals himself to are the Magi. And these are the perfect people for him to reveal himself to first. For they were not only Gentiles, but they were Gentiles who had very public sins in the eyes of the Jews. For they were magicians who used astrology to find Jesus. Something that is specifically forbidden in Scripture. And not only that, but they were people from far, far away who should have never even known about the baby Jesus. Yet God called them and revealed himself to them. And just as God revealed himself to the Magi, he longs to reveal himself to unbelievers. No matter how wicked their sin is or how far away from God they may seem, Jesus died for them. And he longs to have a relationship with them. And so no matter what we may think of the unbeliever, God has called them to repentance and to believe that his son Jesus died for them so that he might have a relationship with them. You see, Jesus is the salvation for the Magi, and he is the salvation for the unbeliever. But he is also the salvation for you. You see, we as Christians need God's forgiveness just as much as we did that the moment Jesus came to us. Immediately after Simeon says that Jesus will be the light to the Gentiles, he says that Jesus will be the glory for God's people Israel. 
You see, Jesus reveals God's kingdom to those who are not yet part of his kingdom. Yet he brings glory to those who are already his people. We get so stuck scrounging around on this earth, having pride in ourselves and trying to lift ourselves up above everyone else while putting others down. But if we simply come before Jesus and confess our sins and say to him, Lord, forgive me of my pride in myself and for hating those who love you. And if we have faith in him, first and foremost, he will forgive us of our sins. When Jesus was on the cross, he took the punishment for our sins. He took on the punishment for our pride and hatred. And in that, he forgives all who repent and believe in him. And after that, do you know what he does? He glorifies us. He brings glory to us. We've spent so much time trying to lift ourselves up having pride in ourselves, but when we humble ourselves, confess our sins, and have faith in Jesus, He lifts us up. And so today I urge you, instead of having pride in yourself, have pride and faith in Jesus. For He is the one who brings salvation to all. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, We thank you today that you have sent your son to be the salvation for all people, both those who believe and those who do not believe yet. We pray today, Lord, that you would send your Holy Spirit to us, strengthen our faith, and help us to trust in the forgiveness of sins that you won for us on the cross. And we pray afterwards, Lord, that you would continue to glorify us until we reach heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to God's Word for today. If you are impacted by the message you heard, please consider donating to the ministry of Living Word Lutheran Church by visiting www.livingwordaflc.org.